You are listening to the Academic Success Podcast Series on Bulls in the Cloud. If you hear something you'd like to learn more about or want to dive deeper into what Bulls in the Cloud can offer you, visit our Bulls in the Cloud Canvas page or connect with your Residence Life Coordinator. We hope you enjoy the show. And as always, go Bulls! Hello, listeners. I'm Dylan Wilkes, a Residence Life Coordinator here at the University of South Florida, and welcome to the Academic Success Podcast Series. We are so excited to have our guests join us today as we talk about preparing for finals weeks and the do's and don'ts of virtual exams. We are about to dive into a great conversation that will hopefully leave you with some strategies you can use to successfully prepare for your final exams and finish the semester strong. Before we dive into the conversation, I would love to introduce our wonderful guests joining us today. Dr. Bryant, we will start with you. Can you please share a little about who you are and what you do here at USF? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Sharice Bryant. I am a chemistry instructor here at USF, and I'm also serving as a faculty fellow with the Department of Residential Life. As a chemistry instructor, I teach general chemistry one currently, and I also teach peer leading for chemistry, in addition to coordinating the general chemistry lectures. Hey everyone, my name is Maddie Gerardo. Um, I'm a first semester senior here at USF. I'm studying public health um, and I currently serve for my first year as a resident assistant in Beacon Hall in the village. Um, it's just been a really fun year kind of navigating the strangeness of being an RA in a COVID world, but it's been great to still be able to build community um, and see friendships made and resources taken advantage of, especially in this really hard time. Hi, and my name is Angelica Aranda, and I'm a residence life coordinator in Castor Hall, which I always like to say is the best residential community in USF. Um, I am now going on my second year here in Res Life, um, but I have been at USF for now six years. Um, I have been in multiple departments across USF, one of those being the student ombuds office. I know a very strange word, um, but it's basically a service for students who are struggling um, just with any process or um, issue just here at the university. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And we are excited to have all of you here. We have um, some different perspectives that will help us as we talk about the do's and don'ts of virtual exams. So I know that, you know, in a virtual world, there are technology issues that could potentially come up. And, you know, technology, we're, we have a love and hate, a love hate relationship with it. So, <laughs> um, how should students navigate technology um, issues during a virtual exam? And, Dr. Bryant, could you start us off with that? Sure. So a lot of the virtual exams use a remote proctor. Um, not all instructors use remote proctors, but some do. So one you might be familiar with is Proctorio, but there are others. So the first thing I recommend if you're having an issue with a virtual exam and it is one that you can resume, I would quit my browser, 
um, you actually need to quit your browser or use control alt delete on your computer or command Q if you have an Apple and really just shut everything down and start again. A lot of times that works. But another trick I've learned during this pandemic and all of the virtual learning is that if I ask students to clear their cookies on their computer, um, that typically works as well. And then they can restart the com computer. This usually solves 99% of the issues with Proctorio. Now, I'm sure other remote proctors are similar, but if your exam isn't proctored and maybe you're just having an issue accessing it in Canvas, you can send your instructor an email um, and typically they can give you more information about how to access the exam. If there's a greater issue, a broader issue that you can't solve by just shutting down your browser, clearing your cookies, um, if you need more help, I recommend reaching out to USF's IT department. Um, most of the proctoring and exam services we use are offered directly through the university. So the IT department will have people who can assist you as well. But one of the things I want to highlight is I want you to relax. With virtual learning and online exams, it can be stressful. And so you don't want to get so worked up that you don't do well on the exam. And instructors, we understand that there are technical difficulties. So as long as you're being honest with us and you contact us as soon as possible, um, typically we will work with you and you know we will understand that it's not your fault. And the last tip I have, if your instructor gives you a practice test or like a practice run, be sure to take that ahead of time. So I give my students a proctor test that's, you know, they have multiple attempts to do it just to make sure their system is up and running and ready for the software I'm using to proctor the real exam. So if your instructor provides something like that, go ahead and take advantage of that opportunity. That's nice. I like that, Dr. Brian, especially the um, opportunity to practice with the proctored exam. So that way they can kind of figure out, OK, cool, this is how my computer reacts. Because I also think sometimes our like personal laptops and other computers or whatever we're using gets tired because, you know, Teams is a large um, program or download. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> sometimes the computer is like, Whew, you've been on Teams eight hours today. <laughs> I'm going to need a break. <laughs> Which is actually true. I, I think I have been on for eight hours today already. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the computers just, um, they just need a break like we do. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. And I think a big piece that I really took away from that is to relax because I think it's easy to go ahead and just start stressing out because it's like, oh no, what just happened? But I think Dr. Bryant said it best, relax, and then go through those tips that she just shared with us. So I uh, during my time in undergrad and grad school, I went to school in person and I don't know how I would feel if I had to do school virtually. So Maddie, can you tell us and talk to us how you have prepared for virtual um, final exams? Yes. So I 
yeah, definitely it is a different world. Um, I think just being in an in-person setting to take an exam for some people causes a lot more stress than an online exam. And for some people, it's the opposite. So I think for me, actually, online exams have been better. Being able to take it from the comfort of my own room has um, helped to ease some of that stress. But I'd for sure like to echo what Dr. Bryant said, that any way that you can familiarize yourself with the system being used um, is just going to make those stress levels like really be minimized. Um, so I think for most classes, they have like the syllabus quiz will be uh, used using Proctorio if or that system um, that you'll use for your exams. So I think that's really helpful. Um, and then just in terms of like actually studying, um, I would say because the lecture setting is so different from um, a virtual setting to take an exam, I like to try and mimic however I'm going to take my virtual exam for a while I study. So I like to be in the same location that I'm going to take the exam, um, like no music, and even try and make myself study for like maybe an hour or an hour and a half so that I can get used to that having that concentration for that long for, um, that type of material. Um, and then more specifically for like a science or a math kind of class, I would say heavy on the practice problems, um, where, where, wherever you can get those from. So maybe the homework, maybe past quizzes, your textbooks, anything like that. It's going to help you to, um, just be comfortable with like the format of questions that will be asked, even if the numbers or maybe, um, the application is a little bit different, you'll, kind of know what to expect. And then maybe for other classes, so more closely aligning with my public health classes, um, I'd say it's more understanding to apply. So kind of like being able to make connections with things um, is really helpful. And Dr. Bryant, did you want to touch on something? I strongly support everything you are saying. Um, you definitely want a lot of practice, but in the same environment as you would taking a test. Once you are confident in the material, if your instructor gave you review questions, you want to go through that as if it were a test and only use what will be provided on test day. So for chemistry, that's a periodic table, a calculator, and maybe a formula sheet. Um, it's important to remember that you won't be able to use all of your notes in your textbook and things like that um, if your test is an open book. So I really love that suggestion. Yeah, I think I have kind of learned the hard way in studying with some notes and then not having the notes for the actual exam and feeling very unprepared. So yeah, I think that that's a huge thing. And then I think the last thing I would say, kind of circling back to just relaxing. So Maybe like an hour before my exam, I stop studying. Anything going to be like anything you learn the hour before, probably you're not really going to remember. Um, and it's probably just going to make you a little bit more nervous. So I even like to maybe an hour before, like take a quick, maybe 10, 15 minute walk around campus, just really calm down. Then come back to my room, sit down, have my water, have whatever materials I'm allowed to use. Um, and just like allow my brain to rest before I kind of go into fight mode. Um, and I think all of those things are really helpful and just be confident. Um, if, if you put in the work, then you're going to do well. Um, so just really trust yourself in that way. 
That's some awesome advice right there. I'm taking notes down, um, but I think I'm going to keep these notes just in case I have to sign up for a virtual class in the future because mimic the environment you take a test in. I like that. I like that. Also, um, I think, you know, if you're a person who likes quotes, um, heavy on the practice problems. <laughs> Maddie, <laughs> thank you for that. Heavy on the practice problems. That is really awesome. So, you know, in this virtual world, I think it's been a little hard to kind of figure out um, study days versus like test-free days or test-free week. And so I was wondering, um, Dr. Bryant, if you um, could tell us what are test-free days and the restrictions put in place during these days. Sure. So um, test-free week started last fall. Um, and before that, we did have study days, um, but it wasn't a full week. So in test-free week, no exams will be given. And it's really a time for you to prepare for your exams, for you to review all of the information you need to review. However, any assignments that are listed in your syllabus and the dates are listed as being due during test-free week, those assignments are still due. So if you have a paper or presentation, any types of projects, those are still due. You also might have short quizzes. So we can give short quizzes, no more than 10 short answer questions that can be taken within 15 minutes during test-free week. So again, that's like a brief quiz or maybe just a brief assignment or one of your projects that is due, but not like an interim exam or a final exam. And so that's really your time to focus in, to make sure you're caught up on everything and to make sure you're relaxed before you start your final exams for the semester. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's really good info to know, especially as a staff member. I think that's something I struggled with last semester, trying to support my RAs as they supported their their residents of like, oh, well, I know test-free week is, you know, <laughs> test-free. And then also trying to like tell them like, they was like, oh, what are study days? And I was like, well, you know, things are a little different, so I don't know. So I think, um, Dr. Bryant, thank you for that good explanation of test-free week um, and what um, happens within test-free week. So, you know, sometimes um, we struggle with expressing our concerns to our uh, faculty members, or sometimes maybe we're questioning um, if this quiz was actually a test and so uh, during test-free week. And so uh, if a student is struggling to express concerns with their instructor, what other resources are available um, to students, Angelica? Yeah, those are really great questions and things that always happen every semester. Um, if you are not lucky to have a professor like Dr. Bryant, who offers patience and understanding and provides space for you, there is a human on campus that offers that for you. Um, and we're back to that word that sounded very strange. It's the student ombuds office. Um, and so <clears throat> the ombuds for students here on campus is Dr. Schneider. Um, it is a very small department, but they are open to hearing out students who um, maybe are just trying to figure out what it means to like share a concern. Um, one of the things I know that she always advocates for is reaching out to your professor first. When you don't, when you're concerned about something, right, we often were like, 
we feel angry and we're like, we need this result. But oftentimes it can be rooted in just miscommunication, misunderstanding. And so always going to the source, emailing your professor. And the great thing about emailing is a form of documentation, right? That this initial attempt to get in contact and better understand um, maybe where a discrepancy is coming from, whether that's from a grade or whether that's um, just misunderstanding for what the assignment was or how it would be graded. Um, so it's always important to to start with your professor and begin that conversation. If for whatever reason you get a professor that ghosts you, well, that happens. And um, there are structures that exist for you to reach out, right? And so that next step, um, you could go reach out to the student ombuds office and and get her support um, for just figuring out what the next step is. But you could also just say like, hey, I reached out to my professor on this day. I haven't heard back yet. Um, I've tried a second time, still no response. And you can reach out to the department chair and say, hey, I'm trying to get a better understanding for what this assignment was, or I'm trying to gather more information to better understand. Um, and so utilizing that structure so that they can support you. If you're like, I'm at that structure and nothing is helping, that's where the ombuds can also come and support. Um, and just one, make the department aware that, hey, there's a student outreaching and they haven't been able to get that support yet. Um, and also just help you understand like what exists for you. So like if you are unhappy with this grade, what are the routes, right? If I want to um, grieve this grade, what does that look like for me? What is my timeline? And so um, she operates from basically um, you can call in and schedule an appointment. Um, she is not taking in-person appointments this semester, but you can call the office and schedule an appointment with them um, and with her. And she is super nice. She is someone who I consider a mentor, so I can advocate that she's a good human and she is friendly. Um, and so I hope that if you find yourself in that situation, uh, which I hope you don't, I hope you continue to have good professors like Dr. Bryant who are understanding um, that you can reach out um, and, and seek out that as a resource. Thank you for sharing that, um, Angelica. There's something that you mentioned uh, about, you know, reaching out to professors first, you know, uh, if that's through emails. And so, um, you know, this is do's and don'ts of virtual exams. But I think um, you sparked a question that I really wanted to ask, and maybe Dr. Bryant um, or Angelica, or maybe both of you all can share. But what... Um, are some of the, I guess, appropriate strategies to address our um, faculty members and instructors? Because, you know, we can be in those exams and high stress and high emotional roller coasters, and we want to make sure that um, we're getting help, but we're doing it in the appropriate manner. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you might be stressed or emotional or even, I think Angelica said, mad. So, you know, these are all feelings that we all have, especially during this high stress time, right? All over the world, everybody's stressed out. So, um, you know, you wanna take a moment to calm down first um, and really like think about the email you want to send. So um, we all love to vent, you know, you all, we all need someone to vent to. And, and I'm actually okay with students venting to me as well, but I also need to know your question and like the, the situation you're dealing with so that I could properly address it. So I would just say, read over your email or if you are anxious or nervous, calm down first and then type out your email. You don't have to send it right away. You can read over it and see how it sounds. Make sure there's a clear explanation of your issue and that 
your question is clear, you know, that you actually asked a question or you asked for help. Um, and I would say, you know, a lot of instructors have in their syllabus, um, like a time frame in which you should expect a response. It could be 24 hours. It could be 48 hours. But like I just said, I've been teaching since 930 this morning, um, back to back classes. So three classes back to back. And now I'm on this podcast right after my third class. So if someone emailed me while I was teaching or on this podcast, I didn't get a chance to see it. So um, you want to give people time to respond. But I will say if it's after that time frame they gave you, it is okay to follow up because we do miss emails, especially now everything is electronic. So everyone is emailing you, not just USF. It's it's literally everyone, um, they're all sending you emails. So we could miss an email. So I recommend just following up like, hello, I just wanted to check to make sure you received my email. I'm looking forward to your response, something of that nature. Um, and then they usually will get back to you. And I also second making sure you reach out to the instructor first. Um, many of my students, we've resolved the issue, you know, with one or two emails and there was no need to go to any other higher sources. So um, we're usually willing to work with you if we understand the situation and we know how to help. I think I also wanna add, um, which I appreciate the focus on like making sure that your message and your email is super clear. Um, I would also say my secondary advice to that is in addition to articulating clearly what it is that you're hoping to achieve is also offering a solution, right? And so sometimes that could look like, hi, I understood the assignment as being due on this. Is there a possibility to extend this to whatever. Um, and there's an opportunity for you to advocate for yourself. Sometimes the answer could be no, and that's okay. And that's opportunities for you to problem solve and also see your professor as a co-partner in that problem solving instead of, right, like they also, a good professor wants you to succeed. And if you are offering solutions or trying to just see what works and what can help you be successful, um, that changes the tone. And often um, the buy-in from professors is if you can help them uh, help you achieve success success, um, that is perceived very differently. And so look at that email is very strategic and opportunity for you to advocate for what you need and also look at your professor as that co-pilot in getting you to be successful. I agree. Because <laughs> usually my response is, well, what dates and times are you available to take the exam? Or, you know, um, what is your availability to schedule a meeting with me this week? So usually I'm coming back with a question like that anyway. So if you include that initially, then that already opens the door to us beginning to solve this problem. And that sounds like one less email to like be waiting for um, as well. So that's really awesome. And thanks for sharing those strategies. So I know, uh, Maddie, that I talked about how you prepare for um, virtual final exams. I wanted to um, go back to that question and see if you um, have experienced virtual study groups or um, heard of, um, since you are an RA of your residence, um, exploring virtual study groups um, and any tips and tricks for that? Because I know everyone has different comfort levels um, with, oh, let's meet on person, let's meet, you know, on Microsoft Teams or however they um, prefer to do that. 
Yeah, that's also definitely a great resource. Um, yeah, to touch on the in-person, I know that the MSC has some study rooms that you can book. Um, I think it is like very limited. I think it might only be for like two or three people. Um, but if you are comfortable with that then that's um kind of removes the electronic barrier of having to show people what you're trying to convey um but if that's something you're not comfortable with then i know a lot of classes have like group me's that are super helpful to just like kind of have some friends in the class um and just remind each other even of like due dates um so i know a lot of my residents have found um, online study groups through those group me's. Um, and then also using your canvas class discussion board page, you can post on there. And just, even if you're not in a group me and say like, Hey, I would love to, um, get an online study group together or one in person or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's super helpful. And I think that's, that's kind of another way of getting material down when you can teach it to someone else, then you really do understand it. Um, and even Sometimes hearing other people's questions highlights where you're kind of misunderstanding. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a, a great point um, to to use those. And um, even I think I've heard some other people uh, through different like Discord channels on Teams. There have been study groups uh, made that way too. So definitely lots of options that are really helpful. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. So, you know, if you are looking for a community or people <laughs> to study with, um, it's out there. Um, and if you don't know where to find it, um, I'm pretty sure you could reach out to um, maybe your professor or maybe some of your friends to see if they've heard of anything. Um, Maddie talked about Discord and I, this is my first, um, I think this semester was my first time hearing about Discord. So, you know, there's so many things that are coming out of the woodworks, I feel like, in this virtual world um, to help um, students succeed. Yeah, and I wanted to add um, that the Academic Success Center is usually located in the library, but of course they have virtual resources now. So they do have tutors for um, probably many of the subjects you are taking, and they, they do schedule virtual study groups as well um, if you wanted to use that as a resource. And then not sure if there are any chemistry students who will listen to this podcast, but we have the Chemistry Society and they also have virtual study groups. So you can just look them up on Facebook, the Chemistry Society to see their schedule. I also would like to add one last thing um, that we also have final review sessions. So those are something that you can um, find out if your classes that you're studying for have those available um, and they'll be closer to the time of finals, but it's really helpful. I, I liked to attend those when I was taking kind of more like STEM classes. Um, it gives like a really good overview of everything you learned that semester, kind of um, the highlighting the things that you need to know and also provides a time to ask questions to a professor that is actually teaching that class that semester. So they're really familiar with what you'll need to know. So that's a great resource too. Yes, that is a good resource. All of this um, talk about final exams is bringing back some undergrad memories for me that I don't know if I want to go back and live. <laughs> I enjoyed the preparation. I think finals has this nostalgic feeling of like being with friends um, and snacks and things like that and spending time in the library. Obviously, I know um, during the times that we're living in, um, preparing for final exams has a different feeling. <laughs> Angelica. 
Yeah, English major in the room. Um, I also resonate with the experience of those who have to write papers and that is the dominant experience for you. Um, and so know that there are also all of these resources exist for you and also the writing center, virtual as well, but know that that also exists. Yes, when I was an undergrad, I was always afraid to go to the writing um, center because I thought they were just going to like tear up my paper. Um, but that's a, definitely a good resource to go to, especially, you know, you may not even be an English major, but you are in a writing intensive course and you want to do well in that. So um, definitely check out the writing center for that's sure. That's a good thing for them to mark up your paper. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just like, I guess I had this mindset of being perfect. And so it's like, I just wanted to be perfect, yeah. but it's a rough draft. It's not supposed to be perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those little red marks, those are acts of love. Those are care for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Look at it that way. I like that. A reframe. It's not a bad paper. These it, They care for you and they want you to do better on the paper. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I've just I could continue going on all day. We we had such a good conversation um, about the do's and don'ts of navigating virtual exams. And so, um, you know, I am I said it before, I haven't um, lived in this times of doing school in a virtual world. Um, and I know it can be tough, but I also know that um, you've made it through this semester at this point so far. Um, so, you know, keep your head up. And I want to see if our guest has maybe some lasting words to impart on our listeners as they prepare to study for um, final exams. I'd say as a fellow student, um, just first and foremost, take care of yourself mentally, emotionally. Um, If those things are not being prioritized, then your academics surely will um, also experience some hardship. So I think it's most important, like, yeah, of course you want the A, but make sure that you're also being kind to yourself and giving yourself grace um, when appropriate. So I would say that that is my last word. Those were great last words. Um, So echoing what she said without echoing it, everything she said, and also prepare as early as you can. So we are about four weeks out from final exams. You want to make sure you're keeping up with the content in your classes and go to your instructors or the tutors as soon as you can when it's something you don't understand so that you're not cramming when we get to that week, that test-free week. Um, You want to prepare before then. Remember, final exams usually cover topics from earlier in the semester as well. So you can always start reviewing those now and just take your time and you know make sure that you prepare as much as possible. And once you feel ready, be confident. I loved um, the advice earlier. Be confident in yourself, be confident in your answers. Don't go into the exam expecting to do poorly. Go into it with very high expectations for yourself. And I wish you all the best. My last parting thoughts and the thing that always generally helps me even as a grown adult is the day will come and it will pass. Whatever day your exam will be on, 
it'll be the following day. If your exam is on May 1st, May 2nd will be here and you will get to May 2nd. And so like sometimes that's a reassuring thought that there's a lot of anticipation to the day and know that you will get to the next day and it'll be okay. These are some very good, insightful, um, and encouraging last parting words. Thank you all um, for sharing those with our listeners. And you know, I think I'm gonna you're gonna get a bonus one for me. Um, <laughs> and I think um, everyone said something really good. Um, and just keep your head up. I think you know, keep your head in the game, um, and don't be afraid to ask for help um, if you need help. You got this. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the Academic Success Podcast Series. Um, if you have any questions about any topics that were discussed in today's podcast, just shoot us an email at livinglearning um, at usf.edu. Again, that email address to send your questions to is livinglearning at usf.edu, and we'll be sure to answer them or get um, our guests to answer them if it's directed toward them. Have a great day and good luck as you prepare for final exams. Yeah.